This show is for adult listeners and may contain harsh language and violence. Listener discretion is advised. This podcast is dedicated to Edmonton true crime. This is episode 4, Fu Lam. My sources are Wikipedia, CTV News, Globe and Mail, National Post, CBC News, and Edmonton Journal. Fu Lam had a criminal record dating back to 1987 and used a stolen 9mm handgun in what the police chief called an extreme case of domestic violence. Neighbors say they often heard screaming coming from the 53-year-old's house. Lam had a history of run-ins with the law, a massive gambling debt, and a temper. Lam had emigrated from Vietnam in 1979 and was visiting his home country when he met Trong in a coffee shop in 2000. They married six months later and she came to Canada in 2003. He sponsored her family to come as well in 2009. Trong said in a 2012 application for emergency protection order that her husband became controlling shortly after she landed here. Lam changed her phone number because he didn't want her to have friends. He wanted to choose her clothes. He didn't want her to work, but she got a job anyway. Then he hit her. Once he choked her so hard she thought she was going to die, she said. He threatened to kill her if she called the police. Trong said in the document she was so unhappy she once had sex with another man. Lam became suspicious and ordered a DNA test that proved that their son, Elvis, was not his. Lam planned to actually kill off her whole family and he was going to look for a gun, but no one would sell it to him, a court interpreter said while translating Trong's testimony during an emergency protection hearing. He asked his ex-wife if she could find him a gun, but the ex-wife told him not to do it because he has two kids with his ex-wife too. Trong testified Lam showed her parents the DNA result and they begged him to forgive her for the affair. She then said he sexually assaulted, punched, and choked her when they were alone that night. Her sister eventually called the police. A judge granted a protection order, but it was revoked two months later when Trong failed to show up at court. Criminal charges against Lam assault and sexual assault and uttering threats against various family members were stayed. Prosecutors have said the main complaint and another witness on the file recanted their stories. The couple eventually had another child but the court documents filed last year when Lam applied for bankruptcy indicate they separated as early as February 2013. Police said they were still trying to determine if Lam and Trong were living together at the time of the massacre. Lam was listed as the owner of the house and police said he probably still had a key. Other members of Trong's family also lived there. At the time of the shooting, he was in bankruptcy proceedings and owed a large amount of money on at least a dozen credit cards due to a gambling problem. Lam was arrested twice in Edmonton for sexual and domestic assault. Court documents show Thuy Tang Trong, 35, had tried to escape her marriage to Lam in 2012. 
In November of the same year, a complaint was filed against Lam after he threatened to kill Trong and five other relatives. On December 29, 2014, 53-year-old Fu Lam went on a killing spree in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. He shot to death eight people, including two children, most of whom were his relatives. He then committed suicide in a Vietnamese Chinese restaurant, Vien Express, in which he had a professional interest that allowed after-hours access. The restaurant was located in Fort Saskatchewan, just northeast of Edmonton. Police revealed the details Friday and said they are still working to piece together the complex case and explain what turned 53-year-old Lam into a cold-blooded killer. A more complete picture of this week's grisly events developed Friday when Edmonton police confirmed the identities of eight victims and gave a timeline of Lam's actions. The first sign that something was amiss came at 8 a.m. on December 28th when Thuy Ting Trong, Lam's 35-year-old partner and her 55-year-old mother, Thi Dao Li, failed to show up for an overtime shift at their place of employment, Superintendent Mark Newfield said. At 8.30 a.m., Trong's brother-in-law knocked on the door of the North Edmonton home where she lived with her extended family and got no response. He recalled seeing a black SUV parked outside. Police now believe that between the hours of 3.45 and 8 a.m., Lam went to the North End residence and shot dead Ting Trong, 35, and her 8-year-old son Elvis. Trong's sister Ha Trong, 33, and her 3-year-old daughter Valentina Nguyen. The parents of Tian and Hao Trong, Dao Li, 55, and Dang Trong, 55, and Viet Nguyen, 41, Tiang Trong's friend. Acting Deputy Police Chief Mark Newfield said it's not clear if all of them were killed at the same time or if some were shot as they showed up at the home over the course of the morning. At 10 a.m., a full day after the murders were committed, a distraught lamb dropped off two young children at an adult relative's home in North Edmonton, Newfield said. The two children lamb delivered to other relatives, his and Trong's one-year-old daughter and her sister's eight-month-old boy, were likely in the house during the carnage. And yes, for whatever reason, the two children were spared. That relative, concerned by Lam's demeanor, called police to report that Lam was emotional and possibly suicidal. Unspecified items in the house led the police to believe murders were planned and deliberate. According to the family, the male seemed depressed and overly emotional, police chief Rod Neck said Tuesday. The family was concerned that the male may, may be suicidal. The bodies of three women, two men, a boy and a girl were found at 12.23 a.m. after police received a call that convinced them to return to the home. During the late afternoon of December 29th, Lam visited a relative's home leaving shortly after 6 p.m. That address is a 12-minute drive from Cindy Duong's residence, Newfield said, referring to the final victim, a 37-year-old mother of three. Cindy Duong was murdered at approximately 6.50 p.m. Why? I don't know, said Newfield, adding that Duong's husband and three children were there at the same time. 
She was simply an innocent victim in all of this, he said. That although there was no direct link between Duong and Lam, there was some relationship between their families, and it's possible Lam knew Duong's father. Bap Hoa, chief abbot for the Truk Lam Buddhist Monastery in Edmonton, said he will preside over services for Trong's family on Tuesday. I cannot hold my tears, he said Friday. In our community, this has never happened before, especially during almost the new year when everybody is excited to welcome the new year. Now we have received this very tragic news. We are very hurt. On Wednesday, Edmonton Mayor Don Iveson stopped by the home to leave a bouquet of flowers at the growing memorial outside. In a statement issued earlier in the day, Iveson said he was shocked and saddened to learn of the deaths, noting that the residents' hearts are heavy with the news. As more details have emerged, it has now seemed clear that it is a devastating case of domestic violence, Iveson's statement continued. The scale of these events is rare and exceptional. However, domestic violence remains all too common in our society, and this tragedy is harsh reminder of the continuing need for support for individuals and families in crisis, and the critical importance of reporting any instances of domestic violence to police. Iveson also offered his thanks to police and other first responders who must do their jobs with courage and focus in otherwise horrific circumstances. Alberta Premier Jim Prentice also responded to the incident. I wish to express my sorrow in the tragic incident which claimed lives in Edmonton and Fort Saskatchewan today, and my appreciation to the first responders involved. A manhunt began. It ended early Tuesday when police found that Lamb had shot himself in his ex-wife's restaurant in nearby Fort Saskatchewan. One of her relatives said he worked there as a maintenance man and had access to the building after hours. Lamb's bankruptcy document showed that he was in money troubles and on stress leave from another job where he worked as a machinist. Newfield said investigators received valuable help from the Vietnamese community in sorting out the crime, but added that they may never fully understand why Lamb exploded so violently. We struggle to try and put some sense into something like this. We will chase down every, everything we can get to try and find out the reasons why, because I think it's important. But at the end of the day, you try to import rational thought into an irrational act, and a lot of the times it just never comes. It was chaotic, it's horrific, Nick said, as a news conference Tuesday night. This is a horrific event for the city. In my 39 years of policing, I've never seen anything like it. Lam is listed as the co-owner of North Edmonton Home, where the seven of the dead were found. Chow Tran, the owner of VN Express, the restaurant where Lam was found dead, told CBC News on Wednesday that she was his former common-law spouse. She said Lam was doing maintenance work at the restaurant and may have had a key. She said that Lam had remarried, but she did not know anything about his new family. Meanwhile, court records paint a picture of Lam's troubles past. The man had a lengthy criminal record going back to his first charge of assault in 1986. 
The years that followed, he would face five more assault charges. In 2002, he was jailed for 90 days for possession of a prohibited weapon and for the production of a controlled substance. He was also fined $7,500 and charges of careless use of a firearm were dismissed at that time. In 1997, charges were dismissed for possession of a weapon with the purpose to harm the public. He was also found guilty of twice communicating with a prostitute. He also had financial hardships. Lam, whose marital status was listed as separated as of late 2014, according to court documents, owed $116,296 to creditors in February 2013 when he filed for bankruptcy. Most of that was from credit card debt, which he blamed on gambling addiction. In May 2014, Lam completed a gambling addiction program. However, ongoing bankruptcy proceedings and failing finances were weighing heavily on Lam, according to his former common-law wife's daughter. By late September of 2014, Lam claimed he was earning 38095 annually as a machine operator at an Alberta Steel. A year earlier, he had been unemployed. However, the series of expense reports filed to the court showed that he was struggling from month to month, spending a third more than he earned. On December 16th, two years after Lamb declared bankruptcy, Alberta's Court of Queen's Bench ruled that he had engaged in a form of bankruptcy fraud known as abuse of credit and ordered him to pay back $17,655. The court ruled that Lamb had used his credit knowing full well that he would be unable to pay back his creditors. He was given the option to pay the sum in monthly transfers of $750 beginning on January 15th. Cindy Duong, 37, was one of the eight people slain in a mass murder in Edmonton this week. Police spokesperson Scott Pattison confirmed that the seven people found dead in the home, North Edmonton, were shot and killed first. The shooter then went to the home in Haddo neighborhood of South Edmonton where he killed Cindy. Duong's body was discovered when police responded to the weapons complaint at 6.53 p.m. Mountain Time Monday. Lily Lee, president of Edmonton Viet's Association, knew Duong, a mother of three, when they were teenage employees at a Switch Chalet restaurant in West Edmonton. When I found out Cindy, someone I knew, it's kind of emotional for our whole community right now. She's a very bubbly, tiny girl, cute. She had this contagious laugh about her, always bubbly. Pastor Than Lee of the Vietnamese Alliance Church knew Dong well. Her family helped found the church in the 1980s and she was married there. Cindy is a lovable person. You would like her the minute you meet her. She cares for people, cares for her family, cares for her church, he said. The case will be made an absolute priority by the new Family Violence Death Review Committee, which reports to the Alberta Minister of Human Services. 
CEO Alan Benson confirmed that his committee will start reviewing the case as soon as the police and the medical examiner complete their investigations. I think a case like this would be something that not only what the minister would want, but our review board would like to see a priority given to the number of people involved, he said. Benson said the review will look at systematic issues that led to the violence and what could have been prevented. The reports are made public. We look at what agencies were involved, what interventions had been placed prior to the death occurring, and what could have been done to prevent these things from happening, he said. Two years later, Edmonton police have named Lamb as the man responsible for the worst mass murder in the city's modern history. Nett said there hasn't been a mass killing of this scale in Edmonton since at least 1956. That year, John Edward Clark, a provincial politician who served as a member of the Legislative Assembly of Alberta for four years, killed his wife, son, three daughters, and an employee of their family farm before taking his own life. Clark had been suffering from frequent nervous breakdowns in the years before the killing. Nett said Tuesday officers had gone to the North Edmonton home twice, once this year and once in November 2012, when a man was charged with domestic violence, sexual assault, and uttering threats. He also explained why police didn't enter the North Edmonton home when police were first called there. He said officers walked around the house but couldn't get in. They looked in the windows, they checked the doors, and they weren't able to get a response, he said. We can't just arbitrarily go into the residence. Later, they received a call from someone which gave them grounds to enter the home. That's when they found the seven bodies. The sound of the doorbell still stirs fear in the new house where David Liu and his three children have started to rebuild their lives. Guests knock instead of ring, and they never drop by without giving advance warning. It has been a year since Fu Lam appeared on Lu's doorstep, ringing the doorbell, then shot and killed Lu's 37-year-old wife, Cindy Duong, in front of their two children, as a part of Edmonton's worst mass murder. Now a widower with three children ages 15, 11, and 9, Lu is trying to bring some normalcy back to his family. You know how Humpty Dumpty fell off the wall and broke into a thousand pieces? I'm trying to put my life and my kids' lives together with pieces, and you know, there's a lot of missing pieces. Lou's children were finishing some schoolwork on December 29, 2014, when the doorbell rang just before 7 p.m. Lou was upstairs at the time. Duong was with their two boys on the ground floor, close behind. Standing there was a man with a gun. About 30 seconds later, Lou heard a bang. He ran downstairs, along with his eight-year-old daughter, and saw his wife of 16 years lying on the floor. The man later identified 53-year-old Lamb, and a stranger to both of them was gone. All three children stood in shock around their mother, staring at her on the floor of the front entrance, Lou recalled during a recent interview. He phoned 911 noticing blood on the floor. He used his hands to try and staunch the bleeding and save his wife, but he didn't know where it was coming from. 
After a few minutes, I knew she's not coming back. Just the way her eyes were, I knew, Lou said. Edmonton Police Inspector Regan James was back at work after a four-day break for Christmas that night. Three hours in, dispatch received a call from a man saying his wife had been shot. James was three blocks from the home on Haswell Court, an upper-middle-class neighborhood in southwest Edmonton. As he approached, he could see a man's silhouette in the front window. James was the first police officer through the door. I could hear kids screaming inside the house. I could see Lou crying, screaming on the phone, and of course I could see his wife sadly lying on the floor with an increasingly large puddle of blood. James recalled during a recent interview, it was very obvious that her life was leaving her, he said. Duong's health appeared to be a homicide, but the motive was not immediately clear, James said. After 24 years of policing, that was unusual. There's almost always some rationale for it, or some reason, whether it's gang, whether it's gang related, drug related, those are probably your most common. Domestic violence, of course, figures into that, he said. At the point in time, I had absolutely no idea. A year after the murder, police have not revealed the motive, but they say that Duong was not Lam's intended target. It wasn't until later that night that police discovered Lam had not only killed Duong, but seven other people, most of them his own family members. Domestic violence, it can reach epic proportions, and in this case it did, James said. By no means did those people deserve their fate in any way, and certainly not the children, and I think that's why it had such an impact on everyone. By around 11 p.m., police had enough information and evidence to enter Lamb's home at 18024 83rd Street. James was at police headquarters when he was called to the scene, and again, he was the first officer to enter the house. He looked inside and then immediately glanced outside to reset my mind, he said. Did I just see what I saw? It can't be, James said, but what he saw was real, haunting. There wasn't a place in that house that there wasn't a diseased or blood or shells or bloody towels, bloody sheets. It was a horrific scene that I don't think any of the policemen that were there were not impacted by, James said. The investigation later determined that Lamb likely shot and killed his relatives the day before, a full 36 hours before he coldly executed Duong. Around midnight, James phoned the acting chief of police and told him seven people had been found dead. There was a considerable amount of blood, just a substantial amount of evidence that would indicate something terrible had happened in the house, he said. James was at Lamb's house until about 4 a.m. After he left, he went home and slept for four hours, only to wake up to the same images looping through his mind. The house of horrors, the husband crying over his wife, her body losing life on the floor. While trying to clear his mind, he was informed that Lamb had shot and killed himself at Vienne Express, a Vietnamese restaurant in Fort Saskatchewan, at about 8.30 a.m. 
James felt some closure knowing Lamb wasn't on the loose, but images didn't fade away. It didn't leave my mind until March or April, or I thought about it every day, he said. The night of Duong's murder, Lou and his children were taken to Zebra Child Protection Center to be interviewed. At around 1.30 a.m., investigators showed Lou a picture of Lamb. He had no idea who he was. After the interviews, Lou and his children were taken to a hotel. They were told not to call anyone or tell anyone where they were, Lou said. Safety plans were put in place for other family members because police didn't know what Lamb would do next. A security guard was stationed outside of Lou's family hotel door. They huddled together in one bed that night. None of them slept. There's a photograph Lou has of him, Duong, and their three children clutching hands and jumping in a line, making silly faces. They're all beaming. They seem ridiculously happy. Lou and Duong met in Edmonton's Chinatown during Chinese New Year celebrations in 1994. She was 17 and he was 21. People often commented that they seemed like newlyweds even years later after they'd had three children. They often held hands while they drove. Lou's right hand still drifts towards the front passenger seat, resting there, holding nothing. Me and Cindy were one. That's how we are, he said. My plans with Cindy, like, you know, growing old together. I see that, but now it's not happening for me. The family never returned to live at the Haswell Court home. The children couldn't even look at it when they passed by to pick things up, Lou said. They stayed with family until they moved into their new house in September. But the horror of that night is something they've had to deal with every day, every day since. For a long time after, Lou had to accompany his youngest son to the bathroom and wait there while he showered. The boy had to know where his father was at all times. He blamed himself for opening the door, Lou said. The children are calmer now. They're back at school, but only the oldest still plays hockey. The sport is a consistent reminder of their mother, who was a dedicated hockey mom, attending most of their practices and games. Now it's reflecting back. It hurts. It hurts a lot. I had anger, but there's nothing I can control. I can't control Fu Lam and what he did, Lou said. They couldn't put up a Christmas tree this year. The children weren't ready, Lou said. There are several photographs of Duong and the family in happier times hanging on the walls of their new house. But Lou still can't bear to go through all of Duong's possessions. He did move some throw pillows from their old bedroom to his new bedroom. They still smell like her. Talking about it helps, but a lot of the times I'm sad. I miss her every day, he said. Thanks for listening. This is part of the ACAST Production Network.